folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to Channel Massive. Tonight, I, Mark, am joined by co-hosts Noah and Southern Fried Scott from the South. From the South. We're happy to have have him aboard. Yes, and now that I know the schedule finally allows me to come back. So yeah, it is the the uh, the internet rumors that he was eaten by a shark are not true. He is in fact alive and well, and. Uh, Broadcasting from his secret bunker somewhere. That would be really cool, though. Y'all need to have a special show about me if I get eaten by a shark. That's all I'm. We saying. would. We would have a. We would at least have a five-minute-long tribute show with like your famous outtakes. Yeah. With uh, okay. with at least forty-five seconds of the Jaws theme music as the you know well, the channel masters. That'd be that'd be a recurring theme. Yeah, and then we'd have like. We'd have like one of those crazy Photoshop pictures where it's like the helicopter rescuing people and Jaws is jumping out of the water. Give me, yeah, give me my own memorial like, segment every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From the tomb of Scott. Or we'd have like undead Scott come on. It'd be <laughs> awesome. This is Scott from beyond the grave. It's cold. Send beer. Um, but anyway, I guess we digress. We have a we have a rapid paced show for you this evening, having nothing to do with the fact that we want to play League of Legends later. This this is just going to be one of those shows where we inundate you with a veritable blitzkrieg of stories. Um, tell us a few. Tell you, not us. We won't be telling ourselves much. We will be telling you uh, what we've been playing. Uh, talk about some general geekery. Go through our mailbag and um, just start out with our intergeden, our action-packed intergeden, where we hit all the major news topics as quickly as possible. In fact. Noah, do you have an egg timer set up for for this show? No, but I should. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be like um it'd be like those chess competitions where you 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 say your your piece of the story and then you hit the <laughs> bing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we get rolling? Um Joystick has an article stating that Gabe Newell, one of our well, he's one of my beloved um, game makers, just because he seems to be a really nice guy that does really well. Um, but anyway, he is an inductee into the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences Hall of Fame, and I think and he's going to get the title for 2013. Um, he joins such folks as Shigeru Miyamoto, Sid Meier, John Carmack, Michael Morheim, Doctors Ray. Musica and Greg. God, why do they have such hard names to pronounce for me? <laughs> Greg, John Smith, Sh- and Bob Moore. No. <laughs> and of course, Tim Sweeney. So, wow, with Carmack and Sweeney, he's up there. That's pretty cool. And yeah. wh- whoever that Shigeru Miyamoto guy is, I don't know. Do you know who that yeah. guy is, Noah? It sounds familiar, but I just or the doctor <laughs> or the doctors would be a bio. bio yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> Pretty exciting, though, huh? I mean, of all people, it, it's like it's not one of those ones where you're like, really? Ooh, you know, yeah. <laughs> like had it been like the president of Zynga, I think we'd have all like kind of had yeah. a lot of harsh criticism. But they say of him, Gabe is a living legend of the video games industry and his relentless focus on customer experience has made our whole industry a better place. Um, this is from Epic Games president Mike Capps, who was will very be presenting marketing. him at the award. What's that? So that was very marketing. It was very marketing. <laughs> I think the true coolness about him is, you know, the way he treats his employees, the culture that he is kind of inspired throughout that company. Um, it it just sounds like it'd be a really great place to work. Unlike most of what we hear about the game gaming industry, I'm sure they still have pretty crazy hours. But it sounds really cool. So, congrats to him from us. That's that's awesome. I'm sure he'll continue to do amazing stuff. And one of those amazing things he might be doing, for instance, is confirming the Source 2 engine. Yeah. Which we know Source is what uh, powers Half-Life 2 and all the um, other cool Left games. Dead Portal. Left for Dead. Yeah, everything based on that. Does that mean we have a Half-Life 3? We have rumors of a Half-Life 3, I think. He's, there's been some hints, some innuendo there. Well, not innuendo, but some hints. But uh, nothing in concrete that I know of. But uh, I think I think it's a good sign. And I am ready for a Half-Life 3. I don't know about you guys. I really could use that. It's, it was such a... Half-Life was a big deal to me for a first-person shooter. Um told me that you could have a first-person shooter with a real story. Um, Half-Life 2 just did it better and was awesome. And all the, you know, the, the stories for that, the the, uh, the addition. Oh, yeah. And they're one of the first that actually, you know, kind of brought that into it. I mean, think about it. Yeah. At the time, it was, what, Quake and Dude, Doom. Doom. And yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, it was, like, light years ahead. And then with what they've done with Left 4 Dead, as far as the whole co-op multiplayer, you know, kind of taking kind of taking a um an you know, a series of encounters or an instance run in a in an MMO and con- condensing it down to just pure fun and mayhem. Um you know, it it could be really cool to see what they can pull off with the Source 2 engine. I don't think there's a lot of good details out yet, but it sounds pretty exciting. But not everything is wondrous at Valve. <laughs> Um, are you guys familiar with the green light program they have where you can that like the independent gamers thing or independent yeah. production house thing? Yeah. Yeah. And you can like rate it, I guess. And so number one on this is faceless slender man. And slender man's based off some kind of a weird internet mythos of a stalker, um, that some guy set up and I don't know all the details, but, but um, apparently this game is based on this. And it's been number one on Greenlight for a long time, but it's being they're blocking it from becoming um it's the top game basically for Greenlight's top it's geez, I can't talk. Greenlight's top game, which is part of Steam's um kind of distribution setup. But unfortunately it hasn't been moved on into a you know, to be backed as a full release on Steam because they're worried about um, legal issues with it. 
because it's not an, an original IP, um, it was it was like kind of a mythos um, from the Something Awful forums for 2006. Then it was in YouTube in a series of quote-unquote lost footage from Marble Hornets. And he, this guy, the Slender Man, kind of haunts a film student and, you know, driving him to paranoia and all kinds of, you know, your typical kind of thing. Well, anyway, what's crazy is the the people that made this game, because they've had, had so much trouble, have gotten the guy that came up with the concept to, you know, say, to endorse the game and to say it's not going to be a contractual nightmare, you know, they have rights to it. They've got everything kind of done on paper, and yet still it's not been released. So um, I guess this issue with IP kind of proves that not everything is perfect yet with the green light process, which seems just utterly cool to me. But um, so far, not quite ready. Have you, normally, played the, uh, have you played the other Slender Man game? No. Neither have I. Have you, Scott? No, I didn't. It's apparently scary, but I don't know. I, I can't speak on it. Last game that I was told that, that was scary was Amnesia, and I did not think it was scary. Oh, yeah, really? I don't, too, you know, I don't find too many games very scary, so... We're tough like that. Depressing. Yeah. Um, yeah it's like, definitely a share of depressing games. Like, I got, you know, I, I kind of got burned out on Fallout 3 pretty quick just because, I mean, it's supposed to be a fairly scary game in parts, but it was much more just kind of depressing. <laughs> Fallout? Yeah, yeah, utterly yeah, depressing. Yeah. But cool, you know, depressing yeah. kind of way. Kind but of like, it got to the point where I was just like, yeah. <laughs> kind of like choosing to voluntarily move to Seattle, you know? You're like, you know... There's going to be a lot of gray, rainy days here. No, no, no. More like Detroit. Well, or Detroit. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to actually witness people stealing plumbing from people's houses that they're actually living in just because they need money. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Kind of interesting. So not everything is perfect at Valve. It's not a perfect utopia, but it's definitely not the dystopian nightmare that I imagine is occurring in a lot of other game companies. Um <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, in cloud gaming news, so we've talked a lot about OnLive over the years. You know, First, we couldn't believe it was even possible as a concept to have cloud-based gaming where this vast library of games would be instantly available to you no matter how minuscule your hardware, as long as you had a decent internet connection. And uh, then we actually saw the OnLive demo at, at uh, E3, and we... Assumed it was why well, I assumed it was smoke and mirrors and a slamming you know gigabit Ethernet connection to the servers which were hidden behind some wall. Um, but then they did the beta test and got we got to play it and it actually seemed to be the real deal. And then the company uh, was sold with some kind of clever redistribution of equity, meaning mostly the CEO came out on top. All the employees were laid off, but many were hired back, minus the contractors, I guess. Um, in any case, there's been like a bunch of weird stuff going on with OnLive. But now, if you buy one of those cool LG G2 smart TVs, you will get OnLive with it. And if you've already bought one of those TVs, you can download it. So your TV so will be able to your portal to all kinds of gaming content. Ever seen oh, the movie sorry. Boiler Room? <laughs> Boiler room. No, I don't believe I have seen that. With uh mm-hmm. oh it's oh it's good. It's got a oh what's his name? Del Toro's in it. Giovanni. 
uh, was that Ben Diesel, Ben Affleck? Wow, I where, should see that. Sounds where good. they're like they're like trading in the legal equities or something. Huh. You have to see that. It's a very good movie. Huh. But um, I mean this this whole thing just sounds like smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I mean, it all but, comes down to I mean the issue with OnLive and why it never really got to where it was is, you know, their premise of, oh, you don't have to have a lot of hardware, you can just run it on the web, functions. The problem is, is that the experience is not as good as what is it's, what it's trying to replace. Right. You know, and so... It's not quite as good, but it's I pretty- mean, you know, because the, the whole thing comes down to, you know, can, the consumer is going to follow what works for them and gives them a better experience. Doesn't matter if right. it works, if it gives them a worse experience. Yeah. I mean, I can I sell to... you an Atari 2600 for $5, but it's not as good of an experience as a 360. I try to tell our marketing people at work that all the time. I say, just because you can do a demo doesn't mean you should do a demo. Sometimes a video <laughs> might be better because if it looks like crap in real time, that that's not going to help sell it, you know? It's the same kind of thing. I'm wondering how is it going to look because it's not. So you know, you're telling your marketing department, don't show the real product. No show conceptual. By the product. way, I work I work for a hypothetical company that does not exist. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, where, where was I? Oh yeah. So anyway, this these TVs are like ultra sharp, high density TVs, right? And the, we know that you know it's some kind of lossy video um, codec compression technique to stream this, right? So I wonder if the flaws will be more visible paired with a TV like this than it would with, say, uh, you know, a regular run-of-the-mill TV. Well, I'm wondering, too, is, you know, what did they put in, you know, you, you still have to have a local side imager, you know, to render local, um... And I don't know what kind of you know technology they put on the TV side to to manage that. Is it up to is it up to viewing it? What's the web interface like on the TV? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the hell there. It, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. It's weird though when you think about it. So you know, LG is like a Korean company. Um, and Samsung is too, and they're just kicking the crap out of Sony right now, mostly because Sony was brought down uh, from the inside by a very bad CEO for several years. But um, they, you know, we know that Sony bought Gaikai, which is the other cloud-based gaming thing. So I wonder if they're going yeah, to be. come out with something else in answer to this. Um, you know, maybe all new TVs will have cloud gaming features, or who knows what all. Does your TV do any magic tricks, Noah? Can it walk around? Or <laughs> it does stuff, but a lot of that extra features, a lot of those extra features aren't really in my. Uh, they're not in my interest, so I don't check them out. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, some of you know some of that stuff is you know they stick. They stick a capability on a TV to put a label on the box. Exactly, and it's really lackluster at times. Right. 
I mean, I know a lot of people that have a quote-unquote Netflix-enabled TV that yes. they don't use that. Yeah, yeah there's better ways to do it, oftentimes. It's weird, too, because I have not yet seen an implementation of Netflix that was perfect for me. I've seen different implementations like the Xbox 360, the WDTV Live, um, the, um, the app for Windows, and they all have aspects that I like, but none of them have the right combination of the aspects to be perfect. And I'm sure it's the same way with the TVs, you know, where, like, it, it works, but it might be way better on a 360 or a, a PlayStation 3 or something. Or even a Wii, heaven forbid. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's interesting to see this being integrated into a TV. Like a major brand TV, not just some weird fringe thing. <laughs> uh, um, and speaking of cloud gaming... Uh, Noah, I know you, you're probably a bigger Square Enix fan than me or um, Scott. Did you, had you heard of Core Online at all? The, their cloud-based gaming no, service? No, I hadn't. I had not either, and apparently they're pushing that thing pretty hardcore. It's a browser-based one, so basically you load it up in Chrome, um, or you can, you can use um, Firefox or Internet Exploder. And um, you can fire this thing up, and your your internet browser basically can become your cloud-based console for these different games. And they've recently added uh, Lara Croft: The Guardians of Light to its uh, portfolio, and they are having a beta. They're in beta right now. They have a lot of games up there that are, I think, free to play right now while they work through their beta. Um, but I didn't know if either of you guys had heard of them. It was a complete surprise to me when I saw. Core Online adds Lara Croft and Guardian of Guardians of Light. I was like, what the hell is Core Online? Yeah, no kidding. And, and so I was like, Who, what minor league company is behind this? Oh, just Square Enix. So then I thought, okay, maybe there's a, something real to it. And yeah, they're doing their own cloud thing, um, which is pretty interesting. That that seems to be a growing trend now between, you know, Sony's going to have it. All these TVs are going to have it. Your browser can do it. What's next? Native iPad cloud gaming. A next gen. Com- <laughs> 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 um, anyway, kind of interesting. We'll have to keep yeah. an eye on it. See what. Well, you know, speaking of that, you know, uh, um, oh, the company that makes Pocket Legends. Uh, they've just come out with a new one called oh, Arcane really? Legends. That's like a the new kind of a. You know, the first three, you know, there's gradual improvements um, from Pocket Legends to Star Legends and then, what is it, Dark Legends, the one with the vampires. Oh, yeah. uh, So this one is supposedly, I mean, they're very much an evolutionary company more than a revolutionary company. Right. But they really do say this, like the, the graphics have kind of upscaled beyond, you know, the mobile view type thing, so... Interesting, and their and their games are pretty fun. So, yeah, it would be kind of cool to see how that works out. Um, I'll let you know. I'll be yeah. I'll be playing some of it. So, Pocket Legends, keep us posted. So here's an interesting little tidbit. Um, Unity ha- is a uh, game development platform. It's a 3D one, and the interesting thing about it is they're constantly working on being able to deploy the games you make for it to different platforms. So 
they've got like all the major browsers, including Safari. Um, so they, you know, you can deploy stuff to, uh, you know, Chrome, Internet Explorer, Firefox, Safari. They've got the Android, iOS for iPad, iPhone, um, native uh, executables for so you can make a game for Windows, something that you'd buy for Steam, for instance. Uh, also for Mac, um, and they, you know, they they're working on also making it a Flash. Uh, one deployment option is just Flash, so then any browser can, you know, Flash is like massive for Facebook games, right? So they they just continue to add stuff to it. Well, they launched Unity 4 today, version 4, and in this version, they are now uh, releasing a beta for uh, Linux as a deployment target. Um, so that's interesting because last week, I believe, or the week before, we covered um, Gabe Newell's statement that, you know, Linux is is going to be supported by Steam, and we saw that they have a beta coming, or it's, maybe it's already out for Linux games under Steam, um, of which I think there are like 10. <laughs> it's not very big yet. Um, but, you know, he was saying, hey, this is Linux is going to be a great platform for gaming going forward. It's much better than what they're doing with Windows 8, and the reason why is because, you know, with Windows 8, they're basically Microsoft's trying to close it as a system, uh, more or less, or at least that's the, the fear um, kind of like iPhone is with the App Store, um, uh, you know. Um, with Linux, it opens it up again. It's another open platform. So this is interesting to see that now one of the premier um, game development um, environments tools or whatever would have native, you know, support for Linux as a platform. What do you guys think of it? I think it's kind of kind of fascinating. It's neat, but it all comes down to you can complain about Windows 8, but you're still going to write games for it because it's 90% of the market share. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. But what does it what does it mean if they close it off somehow, or do you think they ever could? I it, don't know. That it they it means could. that they'll charge higher access fees to be invited in. I wonder if you know, be... the quote-unquote closed environment of the iOS has really stopped those apps from getting published. Oh, sure. But what would it mean for Steam? They would just sign an exclusive deal with Microsoft to be able to yeah. get in. Well, I wonder if they'd get in trouble with, like, you know, especially other countries don't seem to take too kindly to their, their, you know, like, for instance, the Internet Explorer thing. Um, I wonder if there'd be lawsuits. I, I, haven't, I haven't read much, you know, industry conjecture um, on this, but... Well, some of the, you know, some of the issue is, is, you know... There's no regulation on the operating system itself and the requirements to run there. Right. So I mean, if you mean it's not that you're excluding competing products that do the same thing. You're yeah. you're kind of you're kind of you know you're changing. They're not really closing it. You're changing the you're changing the environment that the program has to be written to run in. That's right. well within the operating system's rights to do that. Yeah, I would really hate to see them take some terrible path where they did try to make it, you know, to where it was like the. I don't. You know, I don't really think that's what they're doing. I kind of think that they're they're looking at, you know. PC versus tablet, that market yeah. share splintering. Hey, what if we have a unified 
operating system that kind of can run across all of them, and we just right. have different flavors of the same OS. Right. What do you think, Noah? I'm waiting for the revolution to happen, but until it does, I'm going to stick with Windows. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you there. I just, I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of consternation and gnashing of teeth going on. And uh, maybe Linux is it, or maybe neither Linux nor Windows is relevant as Apple completely dominates or some other <laughs> tablet-based thing comes out of the ocean. I don't know Promo about OS, man. It's Promo OS. <laughs> it's interesting. I've been, you know, I've been reading um, a lot of stuff about kind of the saturation of Droid-based phones versus the iPhones and, uh, you know, yeah. the iOS platform. And right now the percentages are like, for smartphones, it's seventy percent are Droid based and thirty percent are iOS. And but um, where that's worldwide. That's worldwide, yeah. In America, what's the percentage? I don't know. It's it's not that high. <laughs> I can tell you so that. That's six sixty nine thirty one. I'll I'll go that far. <laughs> I don't know. I see a lot more iPhones than I still than I see Android phones. Do you? Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's where I work. I see about I'd say I'd see about fifty fifty. Um which is still twenty five percent mark I mean that's a that's a hundred percent move. Yeah. <laughs> on that number that you just quoted. Well well the number I gave though was selling, so you know, you're gonna assume that people have stuff that they keep for a couple of years until their contract lets them renew. And then tablets well, and I mean I, mean, I do think too that um internationally, I mean you know, the footprint for Android is so much larger. Yeah, it really is. And I think tablets, too, were dominated utterly by the, the iPad. But And people thought, oh, there's there's really no need for a, you know, a Droid-based tablet. But there's so many of those coming out now. And some of them have some unique features. And then pretty soon we're going to have the, the, uh, the Surface tab from Windows coming out and just, you know, at a very high price point, but offering some interesting features. Thanks to the wonder of the internet, Scott, I have stats for you from September 4th, <laughs> 2012. Oh, that's not current enough. I'm sorry. Just kidding. Which is referencing a Comscore report that cites the numbers. That doesn't even include iPhone 5 numbers. That's right. So at that time, Google had 52.2% of the market. Apple had 33.4%. Research Emotion had 9.5%. Microsoft 3.6%. And Symbian 0.8%. That'll tell you that 10% of the market share does not realize that Apple, that BlackBerry's dead yet. Wow. Of course, that's a lot of government, too. So. Yeah. 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 The BlackBerry. But now they support the iOS. Department of Treasury was the first one, so. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I don't know. I never thought I would find myself being an Apple fanboy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I like yeah. how the... This story, the way that it's it's headlined is Apple's share of U.S. smartphone market now over 33%. Research in motion drops to 10%. And the first comment to the story says, I really can't think of another market where in a story about market share, you continually make the number two player the lead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well said. Funny, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great. Sometimes the comments are just pure wisdom. Well, it's because the, the, the story is like, Apple's up 2% from April 2012. 
from 31.4% to 33.4%. But the thing is, is Google is also up 2% from 50.8% to 52.2%. So it's just like... Just really everybody's means. just speeding on the corpse of BlackBerry. So Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Exactly. And it's so sad because BlackBerry... Well, it's not really sad, I guess, because they did it to themselves. But they had every opportunity. Yeah. Then, I mean, I had my phone. I had my my phone for two years, and when it died, it was the same current model. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the only thing that was out there was the model I happened to have. And, and I'm like, current. are you? Well, that was the that was their flagship model still. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh, yeah, you have to innovate quicker than that. Yeah. Well, and you know, Nokia played around with with smartphone concept too, and just didn't move fast enough. You know, so interesting stuff. Finally, in our intro, getting it appears. Speaking of Droid and smartphones and other things, that Google has entered the gaming arena to some degree. Um, Watch out! Yeah, this is from mm. IGN. Um, their top secret Niantic project um, Niantic. has been talked about. Niantic. It's been talked about, um, but apparently, and I won't. It's such a weird thing. It's like this kind of augmented reality game, um, which is, seems to be like a combination of Foursquare and Google Maps and uh, some other things and Tron, I guess. Because the augmented reality that you see as you wander around these nodes to try to capture, I guess it's capture the flag too, or maybe it's Dominion, I'm not sure. Um, but you, you're trying to capture these nodes um, for your faction, and it, um, and when you see the augmented reality view of it, it looks like Tron, you know, like light, light bridges and stuff connecting stuff. Uh, connecting you, know what, you know what this is? This is a four square beer drinking game. That's what it looks like. It's like, you know, if you drink the most beer in this bar, it becomes your faction's node. But what I wonder is, will this ever... Move on to the next bar, the next bar. Would this ever provide an opportunity to spill into real-world violence? That's where I always go with this story. (laughs) So, you know, you're you're capturing these nodes. Are you going to be able to identify enemies somehow? Or can you just... So you're going to have them, like, fighting, like, West Side Story... Yeah, in virtual just, reality out in the street. Right. Nobody's yeah, hitting each other. Just some, really ho- some really hokey dance choreography with snapping fingers or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then at the end, when you defeat your enemy, you take their you take their smartphone and crush it under your, your boot. I don't, I don't know. Or just turn it off. <laughs> um, it's interesting. It's kind of their first game. They do have, a, um, they do have uh, this thing called Play... I think it's called Play In. It's like a kind of a series of APIs for game development um, that I was looking at. My friend Bob told me about it, who's been on this show before. Um, And some titles have been built with it already. But this is kind of like a real game concept that they've come up with. So does it mean more games to follow? Will they actually jump in with both feet? Or, Or as Scott had said before we started recording, is this just... This is just one of those little things that Google does where they throw something against the wall and see if it sticks or not. Well, I mean, the argument comes into you're starting to get into a line that's somewhat blurred between a a Yelp, a Foursquare, a social marketing networking hub that you're trying to throw a little bit of 
you know, interactivity into to make it to to make it stick with people. And then it becomes, well, yeah, technically, I mean, if you kind of boil down what a game is, that's kind of what a game can be sometimes. But you're kind of beginning to blur that line. It's almost yeah. like a Web 3.0 type application, you know, that hyper or augmented reality style. I mean, it's no different than the little, you know, weird looking glass thing, glasses thing they, you know, browsed out there for a little while. I mean, right. I kind of feel all of that is kind of R&D in the same, you know, where we kind of amalgamate, you know, reality with interactivity with your devices and how all that, you know, kind of meshes together. I don't think they're jumping in the gaming arena. Yeah. The dedicated gaming arena. Just kind of showing some technology off or an idea, a concept. You know, it's going to get it when you can walk into Sears and Roebuck and, hey, if I buy that jacket, I score 50 points for my faction. Oh, God. <laughs> Consumer Wars. It, you laugh. Oh, watch it happen. It'd be horrible, though. Just you think. watch it happen. Oh, I, I'm, I'm afraid you may, might be right. It's just a horrible thought. I don't know. Interesting stuff, though. Consumerist completionism, you know. I've got to explore every store in this, you know, to get a, to get a <laughs> bonus. Oh God, you imagine that? Yeah, that, that could I'm, be. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> just throwing ideas out there, just see if it sticks to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Pretty interesting, though. That's all we've got for our intrageddon, unless Noah's holding something back. Nope. No, nope. well, that was a long one. Yeah. No, we're shooting for a short podcast. Oh, well. Now now we'll begin our epic two-hour-long listener feedback section. Um, actually, it's just one, one thing. Um, Hilgi wrote in with this news story from Maximum PC about antivirus software founder John McAfee being a murder suspect in Belize. And, uh, <laughs> Hilgi's one comment was, I'm switching to Norton. I'm switching to Norton, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because McAfee sold the company long ago and has been, you know, he's not associated with it in any way, shape, or form. In fact, somebody contacted McAfee for comment, and they were like, uh, he's not been around here for a long time. He sold the company a long time. We got nothing to do with that. <laughs> that guy, nothing to do with him at all. Um, but purportedly, he managed to sell it for like $100 million and then, he claims that he lost everything but $4 million. Most people think, though, that he did some kind of crazy, very savvy, um, uh, shady thing with, you know, getting his money kind of out of the country um, and and does have a lot more than that all over the place. Little stashes of cash. I don't know what all well, he's got. Swiss bank accounts. But uh, that was always his claim, was that he was virtually bankrupt with only $4 million left. Um, but anyway, he, he set up this little love shack thing in uh, Belize and has been working in his spare time on developing a much more potent, much more effective version of bath salts, which is the, <laughs> the drug that um, we're familiar with from the guy, the zombie guy that ate the dude's face um, and some other interesting stories. So McAfee is apparently all into this bath salts thing. It's like a hyper libido. Um, he has come up with a really cool way to um, 
take the drug, which I won't go into. Um, but he uh, he's been posting on a bunch of different sites uh, for fans of the drug and people who are allegedly also working to make a better version of it and making some outlandish claims. But apparently his life has been revolving around fulfilling his, his sexual desires and um, fueling them with this drug um, and amassing weaponry. And then it looks like his... Um, neighbor was killed, a neighbor who he'd had some troubles with previously, so he's the prime suspect. Um, one of the interesting things about this story is that bath salts causes extreme paranoia, and so he, um, apparently when the Belize police came looking for him, he hid in his somewhere on his property under a cardboard box with a bunch of dirt on top, um, and they missed him completely. And I guess he must have stayed there for quite a while because he was paranoid and he claims the police will kill him on sight if they see him. It's some kind of conspiracy. And he believes it was actually a hitman trying to get to him that accidentally killed his neighbor. Um, so he's on awesome. the run. Luckily for him, he's got some young lady with him um, while he's on the run. And he's, you know, calling um, some... He really people. likes the bath salts. So. He likes the bath salts a lot, and he's got a young lady with him, so I'm sure they're having a great time while on the run. Um, as Algon, take me away. goes from various stages of super paranoia to anger to hungry. I wonder if you get the munchies with bath salts. Well, I, I guess you do if you're that one guy that ate the dude's face. But, I mean, I wonder if you ever get the munchies for, like, Doritos. But, um, yeah, so it's, like, it's, it's, it's a crazy story of a guy who, you know, was once a... Uh, software developer of a very popular, you know, cybersecurity um, antivirus software suite who now has just lost his mind, apparently, and is, uh, he's like 67 years old, too, which is the, you know, you imagine this guy approaching, you know, elderly status. Isn't it 65 where you get, like, social security or something? Not in Belize. Not in Belize, (laughs) well, yeah. Not that he needs it, but uh, so he's like kind of like this super paranoid, super libido-driven senior citizen <laughs> running around Belize, hiding from the police who he thinks will kill them. So that's everything you wanted to know and more. Yeah, really. I think, or less. Um, thanks for writing in, Hilgi. I had no idea about this story until you wrote in, and then I, of course, couldn't stop reading about it because it was just so weird. That takes us to our What We're Playing segment. And I think we should start out with our our co-host, Southern Fried Scott, and find out what he's been playing. Well, um, quite a bit, actually. I mean, I'm uh, I'm still subscribed to uh, Old Republic, and it went free to play today. Woohoo! You know, um, do you literally feel free? I do. I do. I feel, feel I feel freedom. more elitist now than I was before, right? Because <laughs> I'm still a subscriber. So awesome. Um, but uh, just I was curious to see. Okay, you know I'm already subscribed to this game when it goes free to play. I'm just going to see. This is my experiment. I've always played free to play games coming in as with the I'm not going to spend any money. Right. Money. You know. See how much can I really get out of it? And this way I want to see the other side of the coin since I'm already in there and I've I finished off the troopers quest line so he's pretty much shelved now. Besides maybe going and getting the. Uh, the new companion since he can access it immediately. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, well, I mean, HK-47 was one of my favorite characters that Bioware ever came up with, so 
But it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have an HK fifty one. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind of halfway through the middle of. I'm still got probably six or seven of the story quests I want to complete. So it's you know it's plugging away. You know, really nothing is just gripping me super crazy right now. So I mean I can I can play on it and it's not. You know I'm not. Of course, I haven't gotten Halo Four yet. That's coming, so <laughs> that, that might that might be draw me draw me away for a while. But uh, but yeah, um, playing that. Looked at the cartel market this morning, just or this afternoon, just to see uh, what was out there. wasn't really impressed with the initial offering, but you know they can throw stuff out there really fast. So yeah, a lot of it's true. supposed to be cosmetic. So we'll see what what they do in the next few patches in the next. I have a feeling as the hype machine builds, they'll start throwing more and more stuff out there. This was probably just to get what what was very stable into the mix. So, but um, other than that, uh, I've been playing a lot of Torchlight too. A lot. What do you think? Um, I've it it's a shitload better than Diablo three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, don't hold back. What do you really I'm just, think? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I, you know, I thought Diablo 3's story was okay, and yeah. but you know the gameplay was like, eh. you know, I mean it was it's not it wasn't bad. I played through the whole whole game, but I I was never really compelled to go back through it. Same story for me, exactly word for word, Scott. Even with another, you know, the other mechanic, you know, a totally different class, anything like that, never Just interested didn't me at do all. It. Didn't do it right, yeah, but. You know, to me, in Diablo 2, the hook was never the story. Right. It really wasn't. It was it was kind of the loot mechanic and the, the way that that kind of interacted in the game and how you can, you know, min-max and, and you yep. know, changing your skill sets. And, I mean, Torchlight has really done a good job with that. Just being able to, you know, to tweak your... You know, your build. Your you know, I'm using this because it you know, oh, it does fire damage, and hey, I happen to have these nine things that you know boost my fire damage, and now I go insane fire damage, and you know, it's just like, oh yeah, and it, and it so scratches that Diablo two itch. Just yeah, like, I, and you I, know, at that's, first that's, I thought, go ahead. Well, it I feel like with Diablo three, you kind of have to play the characters a certain way to min max them. And yeah. in Diablo 2, you had so much range of how, like, my druid would be totally different from, say, your druid. And it's funny because I was talking to, to Bob, who's a heavy Torchlight 2 player, and we both have engineers, and we both like them for totally different reasons, play them completely differently, but both think they're great, they're, they're implemented really well. So that tells you something, right? I mean, it, it definitely, they, they got it right. Well, I mean, I like I like the armor sets. I like, yep. um, you know, I like how they uh, pets. Oh, I mean, well, that you can equip your pets with spells, and they, they you know, that those they'll, you know, it's not like it's game game Shopping changing, lists. but it's oh, being able to send them off and say yes, come back with this, this, and this. I like having you know, it just I don't know, it's, it's awesome. just really really well done. Yeah. <laughs> um. I like the uh, the comic style, you know. Their the art design and everything is just pretty top notch. 
And that's funny, um, too, because Diablo 3 was going to be a little more like that when they first started, and the community, like, railed against it and made them make it a little more photorealistic. Yeah, and see, I I, I don't know if that was, um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if that was a good decision or a bad decision. I just think that the, I thought when I would play Diablo 3 was, oh, you know, I've kind of gone Maybe I've grown past the the mechanic, the way that that game played. Maybe maybe my interests have kind of changed to where it was compelling at that one time, but it's not as compelling as it used to be. Um, turns out it was just done wrong. <laughs> right, um, right, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, Torchlight Two has just drawn me in like Diablo Two did. And, yeah, I mean, I can. I could log off right now and play. I mean, it's just, and I've probably put seventy-five to eighty hours into that thing, and that's a lot with a with an action, you know, an action game. Um, I just can't. And I like all the classes; they're all fun. Um, you know, the the berserker is kind of crazy. I mean, I like that. You know, I mean, he's kind of like a buzzsaw melee DPS. It's just, it's just great. Um, and I've been playing. Uh, the Walking Dead stuff from Steam, which y'all kind of cued me in on. I bought it originally when that they had that big sale, and I never could get it to run. And I ended up having to dumb down the settings and run it in Windows 98 compatibility mode. But <laughs> um, man, that's a really fun game. It's yes, um, I, I really like that uh, they do not. They do not hold back any... I mean, it's just... Uh, I still think that the... Uh, I mean, are we going... I mean, it's it's been out long enough now. I'm not going to... Yeah, but I'm Mark's ho- not played it. I am not I am not playing three, episodes three and four just because I don't want to burn through it. <laughs> really? I've, I've held off, yes. I kind of paused in ep- at the beginning of episode three and I've stopped. Uh, oh, um, but episode five is out next week. I know. Well, that will draw me back. I'll play. I'll play, play. Probably play three and four when episode five comes out. Um, That's good. You know, they're talking about it, they're kind of going to like the end of a season. Yeah, they're going to make th- another set. And so, once the set is complete, I'll burn through the rest of them. I know it, but I'm almost don't want to. I almost don't want to get it to the point where I'm kind of waiting for the next release. You oh, know what I mean? that makes it great. <laughs> I love the cliffhanger. Normally, I don't do that either, especially. Well, I mean, Mark, all I'm saying is when you have you know one of your NPCs crawling down the hallway because somebody's eaten his two legs, and it's <laughs> not the zombies. That makes no. a good game. <laughs> that that certainly would make a good game. It it does. <laughs> and you know you're like. And you, I mean, it's it's heavily scripted. It is it is very episodic. It, um, it kind of plays like a. I mean, it's really, you know what it reminds me of? What's the, uh, what was the old dragon? What was the dragon's lair? Dragon's lair. It reminds me of that. Oh, the game wow. only has one track. It really does. There's not like you have a. It's not branching story and all this other kind of stuff. But yeah, they that just, is. You can. You have to make a choice. Uh, session. Yeah. In in places, but it's uh, it's still it doesn't ultimately change the main path of the story. Yeah. 
Yeah. Would um, you say that it's as good as the TV show? It's better than the TV show. Yeah, that's right. That's what I thought too. I haven't it's seen. It's a lot better than the TV show. But, but the problem with the TV show was it was great in the start, and the problem is now that they've gotten into so deeply into the character development that um, the they've kind of pushed the zombie side of it to the background. They're not as desperate as they need to be for a you know the the thing that kept make that made Battlestar Galactica so good was you did have this compelling story, but the tension between everybody had this overpowering, the Cylons are right behind us, the Cylons are right behind us. Yeah. And that's what, it, I mean, it kind of ratcheted the tension up a level. You know, even the internal stuff, you know, you know, somebody talking about leaving the fleet and all this other, and you're like, well, if they get caught and then the Cylons, you know, there's all these other layers to that. And I think this the show is sort of, you know, kind of steered away from that. Um, the game definitely has not. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. still make it some pretty hard decisions there. Um, definitely. And I like that, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's it may be too straightforward that they make your the main character, you know, a Masonic type character that, you know, saves the whole group or something. I mean, that... I could see them going with that just so they could hold jump the whole, you know, the next season to something else. But I don't know if, you know, I could also say they've thrown enough curves in there that I could say, yeah, maybe they won't do that. You know, maybe this guy turns out to be an ass in the end. <laughs> I mean, it's totally possible. You can't tell. Yeah, it's. Really I know. Cool. I mean, it, I mean, you know, you can get to the. I mean, literally, Mark, it is one of those things where you can get to the end of the episode and you're like, you know, with the way they write. They could totally kill this guy off in the next episode. You're displaying somebody totally different. Oh, that's cool. I mean, that hadn't happened as far as I know. I've only played through the first two episodes, but... That's very Battlestar Galactica. But they have that... They have that, um... There's not that level of, oh, well, you know, I'm the hero, so... I'm I'm not going to (laughs) die, you know? Right. I mean... And I mean, yeah, if you get killed in the game and, you know, you go back to a save game and you start back in, I'm not talking about that. I mean, like, the actual story kills off the guy you've been playing for the most part. Um, yeah. Yeah, the That's episode, cool. I mean, and as good as the first episode was, I think episode two was better. So I'm hoping episode, yeah, episode two four. Is I've, I've heard really good things about episode three, but I haven't played it yet, so... A lot of people say it's the strongest one. So, um, and that's pretty much it for what I've been playing. Still playing World of Tanks every once in a while, but that's um, yeah. That's, I haven't played any League of Legends, even though there's some interesting things going on there. We'll talk about it in a little bit. So, Mark, what have you been playing? Oh, I've been playing a game called. Well, so here's what happened. I I have this game that I bought on eBay. It was called Divine Right, which was this old um, game by TSR from the old days, from like over, I think it's from 30-some years ago. And uh, I haven't been able to play it yet. And I keep seeing the box whenever I go downstairs. And it's kind of like a, you know, global war. It's kind of like what Civilization has become the, the video game, except with a fantasy setting, and it's an old board game. 
And I keep seeing it, and I thought, man, it sure would be cool if there was like some kind of a civilization type variant that I could play that was fantasy based. It might scratch that itch while I wait to actually assemble a group of people to play this real board game. And so I was looking around, and there's this game called Warlock Master of the Arcane. That is just that. It's kind of like Civ Four, but with a fantasy setting. So I've been playing that, but it's really, I don't know, I don't want to say it's not that good of a game, but it's just, it's not working for me. It's not as good as um, Master of Magic, in my opinion, which was kind of based on, it was kind of like a Civ 2, Civ 3 type game, um, based on a, in a fantasy setting that I just loved, that's available on good old games. Um, but it's, it's an, you know, this is an updated version, but just not quite scratching the itch. So then I was looking around, and apparently there's a game called, or a mod for Civ 4 called Fall from Heaven 2 that might just be what I'm looking for, but I haven't tried that yet, but I, I think I downloaded it. I haven't installed it yet, so... And I installed Civ 4, which I've, I've got, like, all the Civs, I think. Um, so I've been playing that and messing around with trying to fulfill my dream to play a really good, you know, World Conquest-type fantasy-based game. Uh, I've went to my good old games account and downloaded Baldur's Gate, and I've been playing that a little bit, and um, I forgot how great that game it really is. I don't, did you play that one, Scott? Oh, yeah. I yeah. just love that game. The, ha- just, the halfling thief NPC in there, he is he's one of my favorites. Yeah, mine is like Minsk, the, the uh, insane ranger with the intergalactic space gerbil or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or hamster. Um, <laughs> I love... I, I, really the, good. That is the, a like, really good game. Or like those the chaotic mage and his friend you pick up, those NPCs that are... And if you're a D&D geek, I mean... Oh, yeah. Noah, you ought to try it. Oh. It, is, it is so good. So... I've been playing. I didn't. I couldn't wait for that remake of Baldur's Gate, which isn't even you know being done by the original makers of Baldur's Gate. So I just I'm just playing it and loving it for what it is. And I don't think it really needs to be, you know, totally re- revamped. I like it just the way it is. Um, I've been looking in stores for that damn Mass Effect trilogy game for the Xbox 360. I've hit up a Micro Center and two Game Stops so far and haven't wow. been able to find it. So I'm probably just going to have to order the damn thing. I was hoping to find it somewhere locally, um, but it looks like I'm just going to have to do Can't an Amazon. Can go in and ask purchase. them to order it for you? I guess I could, but I don't know. I mean, you're just trying to support local Yeah. Lo- local game shops? Yeah. Well, GameStop's know. website allows you Have you, you even played to... through it at all? I've played... Some Mass Effect one, which I have for the yeah. PC. I want it for the 360, though, because the controller is supposed to be a much better interface than the, the mouse and keyboard. On the first so, one? Yeah. yeah. Mark, like, you can go to GameStop's website and search to see which stores have it in stock. Yeah. And according to GameStop's website, it's in stock in every single GameStop store in Colorado. Well, so We know that's <laughs> bullshit. Um, I can tell you it's not at the one in Lakewood, and it's not at the one in the Aurora Mall. Um, but, uh, well, maybe it is now. But it, it has Yeah, if, if you go in there, you can look it up, and then you can reserve it via oh. the website before you go in and save yourself some trouble. Yeah. That, well, it's that's just when they I overnight it to that store for you. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> through the magic of UPS and FedEx. Anyway, 
I still am committed to getting it and playing through Good. it. Yeah, I would well, love to and talk it, more about And it. here we go. Um, somewhat related to that was in our general geekery. Um, Black Ops 2, you know, the, the newest Call of Duty game, um, has had some issues where the the second disc was actually Mass Effect 2. <laughs> and so what Bioware did was they basically said, okay, the first 50 people that can prove this empirically, we'll give you a free Mass Effect trilogy pack. And I don't know if you've if y'all clicked the link and read through the yeah. release or something, but that is just freaking awesome the way that they yeah. did it. It's that like, cool. look, if you're if you're you know if fates are telling you you need to play Mass Effect two, we need to deny it. That, <laughs> I mean, you can say a lot about okay, well, you know the the, the docs are going and and EA owns them and you know they're going to ruin them and all this kind of stuff, but. That's the kind of level of yeah okay it's a manufacturing error someplace in the process it's pretty probably pretty widespread but you know turn that into into marketing gold right there that's that was just so funny I just thought that's yeah cool. that is really cool um so yeah committed to playing that once I actually obtain it um but also I've just been playing a lot of uh, League of Legends. Just trying all the different champions out, people I've never played before, and uh, finding that I really like some, and it explains why some seem so unbeatable when I play against them, but you realize it's a facade when you're actually playing them. Um, I haven't played Kog'Maw, for God's sakes, which was kind of fun, actually, because I, I, from watching Noah play, I knew exactly how to um, do the mortar thing and the, the sludge, and then to run them down when I died, and take people out, which is, Noah does that really well. So, playing, playing that quite the, a bit. The last few times that I've gone in and played, I have liked, like, I'll go in and play his Malphite, and because nobody plays him anymore, you know, he's an old, you know, old champion that nobody yeah. talks about. or that, Nobody knows how to play against him anymore. They've all oh, forgot. Really? So oh, that's it's, great. <laughs> So I do really well, and people are like, where did, you know, where did, you, you pulled him out of the closet, or what is this? And I'm like, well, I mean, he's my favorite guy, and it's like, it's like pulling out my old, my old, uh, magic cards, and, you know, yeah. throw, throwing down a couple of, uh, you know, dual lands, and they're like, what the hell is that? And it's like, yeah, I've never seen a dual land before. It's like, well, it counts for both. So. And they're yeah. like, really? It could be either. Yeah, it's like a 25-year-old card. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I have some of those, too. Believe it or not. We have to make Noah play that forever all together at another convention or something. We must make him play. Uh, that's, that's it for me. If I'd have had my cards on hand in my house, they're at a buddy of mine's house, I would have so brought those. Oh, man, that would have been kicking the pants. See, that's one thing. That's why we need to go to PAX this year instead of because... You definitely have, there's a cutoff where, you know, it's like, all right, convention's over, let's do something else. And so you have some social time. You don't, you don't have the ABC party to contend with? No. Well, and you don't have that, you know, all convention all the time, nonstop for four days. Right, right. Noah, what the hell have you been playing? Noah. Noah, 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 what's Junkie? Yeah, what is that? 
<laughs> really, I've looked at all three of those, and the only one I've even heard of is Changeling. <laughs> You've heard of Resident Evil Six, I'm sure. Oh, I didn't know what I didn't know what RE Six was. Yeah, they're notes for myself, not for you. Yeah, <laughs> but I can understand you wanting to look ahead. That's cool. So I, I, I've only had a few hours to play video games in the last week, unfortunately. And so it was some time that I spent with my PlayStation 3. I went back to Resident Evil 6 and started up a different campaign, Leon's campaign, which is more traditional Resident Evil horror, slow zombie type stuff. And it was really cool. I enjoyed it. was playing it solo. I'm hoping that I can get one of my friends to join up with me soon because it's just more fun to play these games uh, with a with a friend. And actually, I did get to play a little bit of Resident Evil 5 with a friend of mine that same day, also on PlayStation 3. And that was just a blast because I'm really familiar with that game. I finished it a few times already. So it's been cool playing to that. Pixel Junk Eden is actually a downloadable title uh, from PSN. It's exclusive to the PlayStation 3. And there's a bunch of different Pixel Junk games. There's a slot car racer one. And there's a tower defense one. And this is kind of a more abstract art slash music type game that it's it's uh, it's kind of similar to flow I guess in terms of how simplistic the gameplay concept is it doesn't really tell you what to do you just start hitting buttons and figure out what to do and it's surprisingly addictive I hmm. lost some time and I'm like I need to stop this I have to go do something but I, I definitely am happy that I got it on sale earlier this year and last but not least I had a long session of changeling on Saturday changeling the lost my other tabletop adventure RPG, whatever you call these things, <laughs> live role-playing games, but not LARPing. <laughs> Certainly no LARPing. I, I always get asked that by people at work. I'm like, well, I play D&D. Like, do you dress in costume? I'm like, no, I do not dress in costume. I do not use weapons. When do not LARP. Else is there. Everybody always assumes that if you play D&D, then you must be LARPing. <laughs> but... I've yet to do that. Changeling, we had a really good session, and we're actually having another one this Saturday because this group wants to meet more regularly, and we had to wait a while for for these last two weeks. So here we go again. Hopefully it's going to be fun. I really like being in a modern setting. I like this whole urban fantasy thing that's going on, and the storyteller is doing a really great job of just moving us along. Although there was this awkward moment session where my best friend seemed like he was taking me on a date. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was just, well, I just wanted to show you the, the view of Phoenix from the top of this cliff in this park. And, and another thing that was funny was the, the character asked me, he's, it's, it's a NPC voiced by the game master. He's like, Hey, so let's hang out. And I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, do you want me to dri- do you want to drive or do you want to meet me there or I can drive? I'm like, you can drive. It's cool. And he shows up on a motorcycle. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can drive. Why are you on a motorcycle? I can drive. And then we drove up to the top of the this cliff and it was just really awkward. And then we drove back down and had dinner. And afterwards, the game master was distraught because he thought that he was distraught that I interpreted it as a date because I made a joke about it. I'm like, this is like it's a date. And he's like, I didn't mean for it to be that way, and I would never intend to put you in that type of scenario unless you actually asked for it. 
I'm like, I'm sorry, the motorcycle going up to look at the city skyline at, at dusk is very date-like to me. the motorcycle Why? runs out of gas. Yeah, exactly. Why is the cheesy romance um, music from Top Gun playing during that? <laughs> like, why did you put that on Game Master? Explain that to me. And also, character also had these strange scars on his neck, and I up coming up from his chest up to his neck, and I'm like, well, "Where is this from?" And he's like, "Well, there's some animal attacks that I endured." And I'm like, "Animal attacks." It's like, yeah, there was one time I was attacked by a mountain lion. I'm like, what the hell? This guy's not supernatural. He's just a human. I'm like, how did you survive that? He's like, well, I just made a lot of noise and hit him and stuff and scared him off. I'm like, okay. He's like, I've had... Baby animal. <laughs> other animal attacks. I was attacked by a bear. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's just this mysterious aspect of my best friend who constantly changes his name and is constantly moving around the country. And it sounds like he's a witness protection. So I'm very curious about this supplementary character that has nothing to do with the main storyline. It's just there for my character. Uh, but I'll keep you posted, just because it's it's been so weird and fun to try to figure out what's going on. Well, let us know when the marriage plans come in for your... <laughs> That's everything I have for my plane. That's all, huh? Yeah, yeah I suppose that'll have to do. In our general... Ugh, why can't I talk tonight, guys? I don't seem to have the ability to speak. In the general geekery section for tonight, um, I see a few a few notes, one of which is League of Legends revamp 3v3 mode. Surely that was Scott. That was me. It was not Mark or I that put that in there. <laughs> yeah. Tell us more, oh great one. Yeah, we Well, they've um Twisted Tree Line has been redesigned. Yeah, with a creepy spider at the top. Well, and they um Scott? I mean, it's it's supposed to be more. Um, yeah, I really haven't played it, but it was a you know this the guy that writes for massively for League of Legends does a pretty good job, Patrick Mackey, and um, I mean you can tell he plays the game, he, he stays in, he's in the meta game quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I like League of Legends. Like I I like that massively covers League of Legends, but it's like really not an MMO. It's really not. It's really not. It's like um, they love it so much, they're just like, screw it, we have to talk about fine, it. Fine, <laughs> we will put somebody on here. <laughs> I mean, it's an online game, but, I mean, it's arguable, like, all right, then why aren't you covering, um, you know, Call of Duty servers? Or like, Heroes Duty. Well, but, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's somewhat the same, you know, why aren't you covering first-person shooters that yeah. have an online component? Right, it, you know, with with gated content based on your your level, because that's really, too. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it. You know, you you have to. I think massively needs to say, this is what we cover. Open, you know, world creating things as opposed to instanced arenas. Right. Yeah. You know, but aside from that, the guy, that right? Side. Patrick Mackey <laughs> is good. He he's well versed in the game. He you can tell he has some skill and he thinks about you know the the game itself and um, you know it uh, it looks like it's you know the jungle is much more um, involved in the game. Um, right. I am curious of checking it out at some point. Um, you know, I've early on that was all I played is Tristan Tree Line. So yeah, I've I've checked it out. It's it's I think it's better. What do you what? think, Noah? We, didn't you think it was better than the original version? Are you kidding me, Mark? No. 
played it, and we both said we hated it, and it sucked, and we never came back to it again since then. Well, no, no, no. On the new one? Yes. Since they revamped it? Yes, it sucks. I think it's I think it sucks. Why does it suck? Dominion. And I'm just like, wow, that's awful. Blah blah blah. And it's like, don't want to play that again. Did it? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. It totally sucks. I guess my memory is full of rose-colored glasses or something. But in, in it's grossly simplified. It's actually not com- complicated. They've just added a speed shrine and two altars into it, and that's what was really annoying about it. Is oh, I forgot about the damn. Just sat around the frickin' altars and didn't actually bother trying to actually progress the game and capture the other. They teams. did say, yeah, they did say that the it could that turtling is pretty strong. Yeah, there, they so. just spend time around the freaking altars and then the minions stack up and you can get like a swarm of like ten or fifteen minions going towards turrets on each side, but they're totally weak and ineffective, so it doesn't really matter. And so I've just I'm like, well, screw this stupid altar crap that doesn't seem to be even making an impact on anything other than being annoying and i pushed through on the bottom turrets but then somewhere along the line they turned it back around on us because they stopped camping the stupid altars and then just like make it stop did we end up surrendering mark i think we did just i think we did too such a pain in the ass to play not i forgot about those altars yeah those were annoying (laughs) but the the game it i don't know i still like it better than the original twisted tree line but compared to dominion it's well, yeah, not nearly as good. See, I kind of thought, you know, give me a shrink, a shrunken down version of Summoner's Rift with three lanes, but it'll be three solo lanes. Yeah. The one that I think Noah and I are waiting for is for them to make a 3v3v3 one. That would be just such a blast. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've a pre- Tides of Blood type mod. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That would like that. We're so much fun. Yeah. That would be insane and awesome. Um, in other news, in general geekery, I finally saw Wreck-It Ralph, which Noah talked about last podcast, and I agree, man. That was an awesome show. I really loved it. A lot of fun. I'm yeah. going this weekend, so. Well, I won't spoil anything, but it was it was, and I liked. Um, I'm not a big fan of Sarah Silverman. She usually annoys the crap out of me, but I thought she was. Really well cast for it, and I liked the way she played it. Um, I, I thought it was just, it was. I really enjoyed it. I I know a lot of people that give it negative reviews say that they were frustrated after it gets into the sugar racer part because they don't have all the cameos from all the other game characters of yesterday. Uh, I mean, they're cameos. The whole point of it is they're not. The yeah, story. they're cameos. Yeah, and it's like, well, I don't expect that when I watch other shows. So the fact that there were, you know, there was a Zangief and a M. Bison and, you know, some other people, the ghosts from um, Pac-Man and Qbert and stuff, that was all cool. And it was all like icing on the cake. But um, truly, I enjoyed the movie just for the movie. And I, I want to see it again, actually. It was really good. Right on. Yeah, I definitely think it was a, one of the few satisfying, truly video game-centric movies that's out there. I, I think the the other ones that I've really liked, I've liked the Resident Evil movies, although they don't have too much to do with the video games, and I liked Silent Hill, which also was more of an interpretation than being yeah. truly representative of the video games. And then it just goes way back to like the last Starfighter, yeah, yeah, totally. Tron. 
the 80s were movies the, the, the other time when they were cool video game movies. Yeah. One thing that was really funny to me was I've always thought Call of Duty was kind of a funny title if you thought about it. And oh, yeah. when they were making when they were laughing about Heroes Duty so yeah. much it just it, re- it, it was, was like, really "Oh good. yeah. I used to laugh about Call of Duty." But yeah, that was <laughs> so funny. And I love the I love the the Heroes Duty casting too. That was Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't want to. Have either of y'all heard about the the new Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan movie that they're making? Yeah, yep. I've re- I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, me too. Yeah. I all I know is that there's a Conan movie being made with Schwarzenegger. Is he playing Conan? Yeah, yeah. it's you know what, at the very end of Conan? the no no you know at the very end of the first Conan movie. Where he is sitting, sitting on the throne, on the throne. Yeah. it is the premise of he is, you know, he is like, um, you know, he is at the end of his, I mean, he's an aging warrior, king of Aquilonia, and then he has this, this big epic thing that happens, and you know, he, that's what the premise of the movie is. Well, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, it really, I mean... To me, as long as did either of y'all see? Did you, either of y'all see Beowulf? You know the yeah. I mean, I really liked Beowulf. I really liked it. The with the you know Angelina Jolie as the dragon. Yeah, as, it was cool. As the mother of um, Grendel and all that, and um, but the thing that I really liked was the very end where Beowulf is old and cynical and. You know, he's like, there is no glory for heroes, and you know, and all of yeah. this, and and that that feel to it, you know, um, I could, re- I could they could really do well because it. I mean, arguably, Arnold's a better actor now than he than he was in the first Conan, but um, yeah, that's true. Because if you haven't seen Expendables two, he's he's good in that. Really, I've only seen yeah. Expendables one, so I don't see that. Um, but anyway, I was curious if y'all had yeah thoughts on that. So definitely have to check it out. I didn't see the last about his movies, movie. So yeah, I didn't really dig the remake that much. The see to me, it was reboot. much more of a. I kind of felt like a, I don't know, a cash in. Only. Yeah, I mean it wasn't bad, but no, some parts were better. I thought, um, but just overall, I just I don't know. I always have a soft spot in my heart for Conan, the first one. Oh, yeah. Now, Destroyers as a piece, but... Yeah, um, Red Sonja. Ah. Well, no, what, what is the the one where he's, you know, Wilt Chamberlain's in it or whatever? Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, yeah, Wilt Chamberlain. Like, what? <laughs> the princess. You, oh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, the first one is... That's that's gold there. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Speaking of movies, somebody here has has something to say about a Star Wars seven. Yeah, I just thought it was cool that a writer's already been picked for Episode seven, and that's something that a lot of people didn't really acknowledge because everybody's like, "Well, who's going to direct it? Who's going to direct it?" But I think everybody can agree that one of the biggest weaknesses of the last three Star Wars movies was the writing. Yeah. I don't think even a, a fantastic director could have made such a crap script more salvageable or, or 
appetizer. Oh, I mean, I would I would argue that like the 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 third movie was you know if anything the director helped pull that one out. Are you talking about episode three? No. Well, yes. Yeah, episode three. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Lucas the, the cut scene, the the those. fight scenes on the lava planet at the very end, those were cool. Yeah. Were cool, and the fact that they didn't shy away from the whole, you know, why is he really in the suit? It's because yeah. his ass got burned up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, burnt burnt to the bone. I mean, he is just he is messed up. <laughs> so the the writer for the next three Star Wars movies is going to be Michael Arndt who wrote the script for Little Miss Sunshine as well as Toy Story 3 which are pretty divergent yeah, <laughs> uh, movies but he's also going to be working on the next Hunger Games movie and he didn't work on the first one but if you can handle this many different types of properties well and he got uh Academy Award nominations for Little Miss Sunshine and Toy Story 3, one for Little Miss Sunshine. Hopes are well, if you think good. about it, the screenplays for both of those movies, I mean, take Toy Story 3 for what it was, but it, I mean, you made at least the story compelling yeah. for a third movie about freaking toys. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think he could do a, a pretty good job here, and the People that keep getting mentioned for director are interesting. Del Toro could be pretty interesting, but who knows who it's actually going to go to. It might be a surprise, like Michael Arndt being selected. And just in general, getting back to something that I was mentioning earlier about movies being made about video games, they're still happening, and a Deus Ex movie could be cool if it's if, if finally we get another movie that's got Blade Runner-esque vibe to it. I would love that. And that there's crap like asteroids getting a movie that somebody's really trying to champion that. Well, we did one for Battleship. That's exactly what I was going to say. You'd think people would learn with Battleship. Mm-hmm. Some things should just be left to die. But good old Transformers producer Lorenzo Di Bonaventura is like, I got to do it. I got to do it. You know what the other thing is? Liam Nielsen needs, uh, he needs somebody to green light his projects. He needs a manager that goes, you know what, you shouldn't do this movie. That's, what I want <laughs> to see is, is so So Liam Neeson used to be a, a critically acclaimed actor. I mean, think Schindler's about it. List, stuff well, like that. Shin, uh, Rob Roy, great. Rob Roy. He was great but, in that. But, he was but, even, I'll even give him, he was okay in the first one as Quiet John. I liked him. Yeah, but it's like, it's the same thing with Ben Kingsley. He was a great actor, too, and then he became a crazy whore for money, and he needed somebody to gr- tell him what to do, too. And so my my thought is these two... Nicholas Cage, be, same problem. These Yeah, maybe these three need to all be cast in the same movie. Ben Kingsley, Lee oh, Neeson, God, no. No. and Nicholas Cage. It's no. just got to happen, and it's going to be, like, the worst plot ever written. Like, maybe they'll make a movie about... Facebook about Farmville. It'll be like Farmville, the saga. Hush it. Sorry. (laughs) Well, speaking of hushing it, I think that's, I think we've run out of time. I think we have too. I think, I think the virtual egg timer has finally gone off and it's time to wrap this one up. Thank you, Scott, for joining us. It's always so fun to have you aboard. It is. It's great guys. I'm glad you could 
take some time. I know things are crazy. Um, uh, it hope I mean it gets a little gets a little better from here here on out. So inter- interview an intern tomorrow. So you know. Oh really? Blonde about I don't know. Tell I'm us sure, about her I'm dimensions. sure not. <laughs> I'm gonna practice dropping your pencil on the floor in front of her. <laughs> no, Could but I may make I up? may make him go get me coffee. So oh, it's a he. Damn. Uh, well, <laughs> the interview's a he. I'm not saying he's getting the internship. So yeah, yeah. Keep trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep trying. Yeah. We'll see what we. Well, you know, they only I can only interview what they kick to me. So. <laughs> Last two interns we've had at work have been so damn competent and nice that you just can't abuse them. They're well, you never know. I mean, internships in our business are like, ah, oh, you're useful. Well, let's just give you a job. That's what we <laughs> keep doing, yeah. We're like, now you're employed here. Too bad, sucker. <laughs> you should have yeah, run. And now the could. real crap starts to roll on you. Yeah. Now kind of holding back the... while you're an intern, wondering <laughs> if you can make it or not. Your internship was the beta test. Now the real... <laughs> <laughs> Job 1.0 actually begins and it sucks. But uh cool. Well, tune in next week if you uh would like to uh drop us an email or comment, please feel free. Write us at mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. Find us on Facebook, although Noah will now say no, don't try. And uh waste your time. Waste of your time. Live dying a, platform. Leave us a five-star <laughs> review on iTunes. It's a dying platform. It's a social network. Um, yeah, find us on MySpace. Good luck there. Uh, but anyway, it's been fun. Friendster. Friendster. <laughs> you don't remember Friendster? No. Must have been Google Friendster. No. Sounds bad. <laughs>